Chapter Six of the Last Egyptian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Last Egyptian by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Six. Kara bathes in the Nile. Tadros followed him into the street again. Those are the papyri, he said. Do you wish me to sell them for you? They are already sold, replied Kara, regardless of truth. Indeed? To whom? Winston Bay, the Englishman. Tadros uttered an exclamation of annoyance. Where have you met him? he asked. Here, at the Nile landing. His boat will come tonight for the papyrus rolls. Many thoughts passed rapidly through the dragoman's mind. Here was bad news indeed. He had planned on getting all those wonderful rolls into his own hands, and his disappointment was keen to find that this isolated Egyptian of an out-of-the-way rock village had already been approached and bought up by one of those rascally scientists before he, the clever dragoman, had even known of the existence of the treasures. "'He will rob you,' he ventured to suggest. "'Very well,' replied Kara indifferently. Tadros was in despair. Yet one thing was plainly evident. If Winston Bay was about to unload fourteen newly found rolls of papyrus upon the directors of the museum in Cairo, it would be well for him, the dragoman, to get his one roll in first, at the highest possible price. That could easily be accomplished. Winston's dahabia would consume four or five days on the downward voyage. Tadros could cross the Nile in a small boat and catch the railway on the other bank, which would land him in Cairo the next day. He promptly decided to take the railway. "'I expect,' said Cairo, "'to be in Cairo myself shortly. "'If you are there, I would like to hire your services as dragoman.' Tadros, aroused from his meditations, gave a start, and wonderingly examined the speaker from his dirty bare feet, all the way up his soiled burnous to his strong calm face and faded turban he had been a native of fedar himself and had known the royal one as he scornfully called kara from boyhood until now he had regarded him as a permanent fixture of the little village a listless lazy do-nothing supported in some mysterious way by his grandmother and destined to grow old amid his solitary surroundings some slight importance Kara had doubtless acquired through his inheritance of the papyri, but that he should think of visiting Cairo and employing the brilliantly apparelled dragoman was a marvel that fairly astounded Tadros. Yet why not? He would have money. Tadros could assuredly teach him how to spend it. Kara might become an incident in his career, an element in his future prosperity. "'Call upon me at any time,' he said condescendingly. You shall have the advantage of my experience and knowledge of the world. That is what I want, returned the Egyptian, and I will pay you liberally for it. He passed into his dwelling, and the dragoman, watching him go, decided to make speedy preparation for his own departure. He felt much easier in his mind than at first. What if Winston Bay purchased the papyrus rolls? Would not Tedros be the young man's guide? Very good very good indeed kara lay down again and slept until afternoon then he went to the hut of nefert who baked the bread for the village 
and bargained with her for a loaf and a bowl of milk also he acquired from her a large coarse sack in exchange he gave her hatatcha's water jar which had come from kenne and an old scarf his grandmother had worn over her head he ate the loaf and drank the milk feeling much refreshed then he carried the sack to his dwelling and placed the papyrus rolls in it from the secret cavity beside the arch he took the bronze vase and the metal stopper a scarab ring that his grandmother had sometimes worn and a slender dagger with its steel blade the bronze dagger that served as a key to the rock door he left in the cavity as well as the lamp having replaced the stone he glanced around to see whether there was anything that might be disturbed or stolen during his absence but the room was bare of anything to tempt a thief or a despoiler so he swung the sack over his shoulder and walked out and around the end of the mountain on his way to the nile winston bay had kept his word on the chance that the strange egyptian he had encountered would manage to secure either valuable information or some ancient relics from his mysterious grandmother he had kept his dahabiyah in the neighbourhood ignoring the protests of his unhappy arab crew the afternoon following his interview with kara he landed near the group of palms an hour before sunset and waited until darkness fell without obtaining a sight of the egyptian then he dropped down the stream to tell el amana where the dahabiyah remained until the next noon Today he figured on another disappointment, but when Gerald Winston had an object in view, he pursued it with dogged determination, and he had resolved to keep his appointment each day for a week, at least, before considering his future actions. There was no question, but he was on the track of an important discovery, and he did not intend to abandon the quest lightly. On this second day, therefore, when he approached the grove and saw a white-robed figure sitting in the shade, his heart gave a joyful bound he hurried forward and recognized kara who remained motionless until the englishman had saluted him then he bowed his head gravely winston's eyes were on the sack that rested beside the egyptian and his voice sounded eager in spite of his effort to restrain it well my brother he exclaimed my grandmother hatatcha is dead said kara the englishman shrank back in horror you have killed her oh no not at all answered the other composedly she was dying when i returned home after my conversation with you it would not pay me to kill hatatcha you know what did you learn from her nothing she was beyond questioning but she whispered that i should seek under the rushes of her bed for my inheritance and then anubis took her to his kingdom her secret if she had one she carried with her Winston was deeply chagrined. He reproached himself for not having interviewed the old woman in person, and endeavoured to wrest her secret from her. Now, alas, it was too late. "'What have you in the sack?' he inquired, almost indifferently. "'My inheritance,' said Kara. "'Of what does it consist?' "'I have fourteen rolls of ancient papyrus manuscript.' Fourteen rolls?' cried winston trembling with sudden excitement let me see them man let me see them kara did not move i am going to cairo said he will you take me with you in your boat yes to be sure come to the boat at once that is better 
declared the Egyptian. "'You can then examine the papyri at your leisure, "'and determine whether they are of interest to you.' "'He slowly arose to his feet "'and swung the sack across his shoulder. "'Winston eagerly preceded him. "'The stifling heat was all forgotten. "'Hatatcha's unfortunate death was forgotten.' A treasure had been unearthed at last, and surely, from fourteen manuscripts, much important information might be gleaned. On the deck of his dahabia he glanced at the papyri with amazement. Each one was perfectly preserved, and unrolled without danger of breaking. "'Their condition is extraordinary,' he observed. "'Where did you say you found them?' "'In a hollow of earth, covered by the rushes of Hatatcha's couch.' Winston raised his head to look at the speaker closely. "'Then they have not been there long, I am sure.' "'That,' said Kara, with a shrug, "'is a matter of which I have no knowledge.' The scientist carefully unrolled a manuscript. "'This,' he said musingly, "'is a poem by the poet Pentaut, "'and it is a composition I have never seen before.' He began reading it and soon Kara corrected him in a passage, and explained how he should properly translate it. Winston's eyes sparkled. This Egyptian really knew the hieroglyphics better than he did. His assistance might be invaluable in some ways. Perhaps the man would prove as remarkable a find as the manuscripts. The next writing was an address to his soldiers by Amenhotep III, on the eve of his invasion of Syria. It was beautifully executed, and would prove a valuable addition to the literature of the fifteenth century before Christ. Far into the night Winston pored over the writings, finding in some veritable treasures, and in others little of worth save for their age and beauty of execution. Still, as a collection, the fourteen rolls constituted a remarkable library of ancient literature, and its fortunate discoverer slept but little on that eventful night. Before daybreak, the dahabia was wheezing and puffing downstream on its way to Cairo, and Kara, who had slept well extended upon the deck, was given a breakfast such as he had never before tasted. The fragrant coffee was a revelation to him, and the chops and fruit made his eyes sparkle. Yet so sedate was the Egyptian's demeanour that Winston was unaware that his guest had never before eaten a properly prepared meal. The Englishman's satisfaction this morning was so great that he also bestowed upon Kara one of his choicest cigars, and again the Egyptian tasted a luxury hitherto unknown to him. While they were quietly enjoying their smoke, Winston said, "'Will you sell me the rolls?' "'Yes,' replied Kara. "'I will give you a thousand Egyptian pounds for them. That, you know, is about a hundred thousand piastres.' Kara made a mental calculation, and frowned darkly. "'Perhaps it is not enough,' added Winston quickly. "'But on the other hand, it may be too much altogether. "'Until I have examined the writings with more care, "'I cannot value them accurately.' "'I will accept your offer,' said the Egyptian, still frowning. "'I am sure it is fair, and even liberal. "'What annoys me is that I have made a fool of myself.' "'In what way?' "'I purchased a girl yesterday.' and paid three times what she is worth. Winston smiled. Do not let it bother you, he said in an amused tone. Few women are worth what they cost, believe me, 
and where their sex is concerned men are often fools my brother's speech is wise returned the grave cara i will conceal my annoyance for some day i may be indemnified had hatatcha any of the coins of darius histaspes left inquired winston after a moment's thought here are seven said the other producing them the englishman was delighted i will pay you five pounds each for these said he then they are yours declared cara afterward he showed the englishman the bronze vase which also changed hands at a liberal purchase price and is this all asked winston it is all said cara you will be rich my brother here are ten pounds in english gold to seal our bargain after we arrive in cairo i will take you to my banker and transfer to your account the entire amount due you you may draw then upon the bank as you require your money in any sums that suit your convenience as long as it lasts i thank you replied the egyptian as they proceeded down the river kara noted the spotless tunics and trousers of the arab who one and all regarded the dirty cot with open contempt he also examined intently the englishman's dress when the boat tied up at assiot to allow winston to visit a friend who was convalescent at the excellent hospital maintained there kara walked through the bazaars and returned to the dahabeah bearing several bulky packages that night he bathed in the river while the others all lay asleep afterward he stealthily transferred the contents of his turban to a chamois bag which he fastened around his neck then he flung the old burnus and the turban overboard in the morning they found the egyptian transformed he wore an english shirt with collar and necktie all of white loose linen trousers that were gathered at the ankles in arab style and over these a flowing white burnus of spotless purity upon his head was a red fez upon his feet red slippers from algiers about his neck hung the massive chain of the kings upon his finger was his grandmother's ring set with the scarab of atka ra winston was astonished and gazed upon the egyptian with approval then his eye caught the chain and he uttered an exclamation of wonder where did you get it he asked clutching at the chain to examine one of its exquisitely engraved links it is also a part of my inheritance but an heirloom that i dare not part with returned kara it is the record of the kings my ancestors from menes to adkara and he explained the meaning of the chain to winston and assisted him to decipher some of the inscriptions upon the heavy links but this is a priceless treasure exclaimed the savant filled with unbounded amazement at what he beheld it is proof of my contention that i am of royal blood answered the other proudly while i live i will not be separated from it you are right agreed winston promptly and from that moment he entertained a new respect for this humble descendant of the ancient rulers of egypt not one of the manuscripts mentioned atka ra but the chain had at its end the link of that astute leader of men and his identity was thus established beyond a doubt the scarab of unquestionable antiquity was likewise a proof that kara's ancestor was a descendant of kings immediately the young egyptian became a person of consequence kara now smoked cigarettes having purchased several boxes at assiot this was the most satisfactory luxury that attended his new condition 
and conspired more than anything else to render him pleased with his lot the dahabia arrived in cairo on the morning of the fourth day winston at once took a carriage and drove kara to the bank where he placed the sum agreed upon in the young egyptian's credit kara who wrote english in a clear and delicate hand was given a cheque-book and registered his signature as follows prince kara residence inquired the banker i have just arrived and am not yet located was the answer to-morrow i will send you my address let me also know where you are to be found said winston for i must introduce you to the egyptologists here then he left his new acquaintance to drive post-haste to the museum there to show his new-found treasures to his many friends End of chapter 6